Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. Charleston was once the rage of History has turned the page of The minute the current thing goes on, beat goes on, the drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain, la-da-da-da-dee, da 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 the grocery stores are supermodel, Up to war Electrically they keep a baseball score And the beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da 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 Grandma's sitting chairs and reminisce. Boys keep chasing girls to get a kiss. The cars keep a going faster all the time. The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee La-da-da-da-da And the beat goes on Yes, the beat goes on And the beat goes on
on a Wednesday. And that's the time that historically, at least for the past three years, we've been gathering around and sharing some ideas, some thoughts, uh, a song or two. We are hopefully gathering together in a way that I call fellowship. And fellowship is indicative of a group that works together. It could be indicative of a, of a church group gathering together to pray. It could be a family joining together for a meal or a, or a reunion of sorts. Fellowship. Um, it's a powerful word. It's a, it's a word that is comforting. It's a word that is unifying. It's a word that is something that I work very hard, or at least I try to make happen. And I think that if there was more fellowship out there, that we would accomplish more of what we all want. But sometimes I wonder what we all want. Sometimes I think we all think we want things, but when we really want something, we act like we want it. When we really want something, remember when you were a kid and there was that thing you wanted? It could have been a bicycle. It could have been a a game, it could have been a football or whatever. It wouldn't matter what it was. For me, it might have been a fishing pole. But I wanted something really bad, and I fixated on that thing, whatever it was. And I thought to myself, how am I going to get that thing? And I might have asked my parents for it, or I might have worked for it, or I might have um, really you know, sucked up at Christmas time and said, you know, this is that thing I really want. And sometimes that thing was um, an experience. I really wanted to, to go to the beach for that week, or I really wanted to be able to do something. But that thing could be a tangible thing. It could be an opportunity. It could be a freedom. It could be whatever. But that thing that we want, we at least when we were young, we would go out of our way. We, we made it very clear that we wanted it. In fact, we were incessant usually, at least I was. I was pesky as hell, still pesky as hell. But when I want something, I'm pretty clear about it. This is what I want. And I look around today, and I see a lot of anger and a lot of, a lot of, uh, venom and a lot of polarity and a lot of a lot of um, negativity. I see a ton of negativity. But what I don't see a lot of is I don't see a lot of what people want. I see a lot of what people don't want. I don't want this president. I don't want that. I don't want this. But you don't ever tell me how it's going to look when you get what you want. And I don't sometimes wonder, I do sometimes wonder, but I really don't because I know the answer to it. It is no wonder, I should say, why we're stuck in this world where we don't get what we want, 
where we complain all the time because we make those complaints happen. We whine and bitch about the government, and we allow the government to be what it is. We don't stop it. We don't demand it change. We don't want that. We don't want it enough to do something about it. We don't want it enough to organize. We don't want it enough to unify ourselves because we don't do that. I've been running the Human Solution International for coming on 10 years now. And when I say running, I mean running, <laughs> running like a marathon. I've been working with, working towards, working for, organizing, donating, working my hands, my brain, my time with this organization for a purpose. And we know what we want. We want a world where freedom to possess, cultivate, transport, buy, sell, trade, make medicine with the cannabis plant is not a criminal act anymore. We can do those things without any fear of persecution. It's a thing that we can do. We can grow a plant in our yard. We can build a greenhouse. We can grow a crop of 1,000 plants or 2,000 or 10,000 or some untold number, and we can make a little batch of some medicine or we can make a big batch or we can make a vat. That's what I want. That's what those that are working with me towards ending prohibition want. And yet I wonder, I wonder what do you want? Because so many of you who ultimately end up watching this show or poking your head in in some way, shape, or form, when it comes time to do the work, ain't nobody around. You know, I just told the story of, well, I didn't tell the story. I couldn't remember it, but it was the story of the chicken who wanted to make some bread. And she said, hey, I want to make some bread. Who's going to help me? Oh, everybody's going to help. All right, cool, let's get to work. I got some seeds here. Who's going to help me plant the seed? Nope. Nobody came to help plant the seed, so she planted the seed. And then she seeds all sprouted, and she said, who's going to help me water the, the wheat? Everybody's busy. So she watered the wheat. And then the wheat got tall and it was time to cut the wheat she said who's going to help me cut the wheat and nobody helped because they were busy they were already doing enough they were already doing all they could do and so she cut the wheat who will help me grind the wheat <laughs> nobody she ground the wheat who's going to help me mix this dough and bake this bread oh yeah Nobody. Not one of them helped. Not a single one. But when that beautiful steaming loaf of bread was sitting up on the tabletop, everybody from all around came to help. Help eat the bread. I found that operating a nonprofit organization in many ways is a lot like that. I can't tell you how many times I've raised my hand and said, Who's with me? And everybody goes, ah! And then, okay, great. We'll have our first call. Let's organize this. 
And we have a conference call, and there's 10, 12, 18, 25 people on the call. All right, we're going to talk about this. Oh, everybody's all about the talking about it. And we're going to come up with a plan of action. Okay, great. We're going to have a second call. We're going to create an outline. How many people do you think usually make the second call out of, say, 25 on the first call? Two. No, there might be six or seven. There might be six or seven. All right, so six or seven show up for the second meeting, and we have the outline, and we come up with an actual more or less a plan. And usually out of those second calls, everybody has a task. Everybody has something that they are needing to do for this project to work. And then there's the third call. That's when there's usually two or maybe three. They call it the Fab Four. Usually when we do anything, historically speaking, there's been usually not much more than four people involved with making a project happen. And they can be the best ideas. They can be the most um, inspired, the most uh, in harmony with what's going on at the time. But when it really gets down to getting the job done, usually it's the Fab Four or the Fab 3 or the Fab 2, or sometimes it's just the lone wolf that gets the job done. That's not very unified to me. That's actually pretty damn divided, if you ask me. There's a saying, united we stand, divided we fall. And I put this out to you. If you look at our body of work, the human solution has historically, from day one, we were born out of a unity. We were born out of a coalition. We were born out of many. And we decided it was important to come together, to speak as one voice, to bring the strengths of all these different groups together. And that's how we were born 10 years ago. And from that time, we have hosted events. We have shown up at other people's events. We have had projects where we've included and involved other groups and organizations. We have reached out to other groups and organizations over and over and over again. And out of all of that, and out of all the years and all the time and all the trying, I see very little evidence that would tell me that other people and other groups actually really want to work together. And I don't know what to do about it. I'm sitting here in a, I don't know, usually I'm, I'm very sure of myself as to what the next step is. Uh, but with this one, my only step is to keep going, to keep moving, to keep showing up. You know, there's an individual that used to be very strong in our organization that left several years ago as a result of some damaging, destructive shit that I'll tell in an anonymous story one day. But I'm not going to tell that story today. But that person used to say all the time, all you got to do is show up. And that person was right. All you got to do is show up. Showing up has to do with integrity. It has to do with doing what you say, saying what you do. These are things that when I was growing up were instilled in me as 
evidence of a good person, evidence of somebody that you might look up to, respect. Um, you know, how many people go around these days demanding respect? You must respect me. You must speak to me in a certain way so that I know that you respect me. I hear this kind of crap all the time. And I think to myself, what have you done to earn my respect? I don't necessarily disrespect anybody, but respect isn't something that you get just because you breathe. You have certain inalienable rights just because you breathe, and I respect those rights. Oh, you bet I do. I respect them, I live by them, and I fight for them. But if you want respect, I mean deeper respect, do something to deserve it. That's what I would say. And what one person would consider to be worthy of respect might be different from what another one. But I would imagine that if you were to take any number of people, you pick your number, a hundred, a thousand, a million, ten million, and you were to all ask them, give me ten aspects or of, of, of an individual or ten traits that might warrant your respect, I would imagine that among them would be integrity, telling the truth, doing what you say you're going to do. I don't know. That seems to me to be something that might be um, a reasonable thing. And so we're going to talk today about being united or being divided, divided as I see so much of Again, for 10 years, we've worked together. We've attempted to create coalitions about four years ago. I can't believe it's been that long, at least three years ago. It might be four. Anyways, I went back to the Midwest um, for a case that was a very big case at the time. It was an important case. It was a case that was brought to my attention by a group of people by a family that was in need, and uh, they knew that we knew some things that might be helpful. And so we came forward out there, and we organized, and we brought together, we brought unity together. We brought people together that didn't know each other, that had some things in common, but those things were, by some people's measure, maybe small. But we united for this purpose, and we were successful in accomplishing what we set out to, in no small part because of our unity, and because of that jury seeing the will of the people very clearly, that there was enough unity at that time that that jury recognized it and knew their right to nullify, and they did. And we stood, and we were united. we got Craig Cecil on the line now. Don't let me forget where I left off, because I'm on a roll here. Craig Cecil, serving life in prison without possibility of parole for five. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Hello from Terre Indiana. How are you doing today? The day has been well. We're kind of warm lately, but uh, we're, we're still hoping the fall is the fall will be here before too long. 
We did get some good news, though, from Illinois, which is right across the river from here. They passed some new, uh, actually the governor signed some new uh, marijuana legislation over there. Oh, yeah? What they they did is they opened up medical marijuana to a whole lot more people. So I'm pretty excited about that. The main thing they did is they opened it up to uh, people in treatment for uh, opioid problems. They're pretty much automatically given a, a medical marijuana card now. Well, I think that's a fantastic idea, and I think that um, that's one of these things that should just be a given. You know, it's funny. Um, years ago, there was a um, what do you call it? There was a uh, an initiative or some kind of a program that was passed in California, and it allowed people. Um, I think it was called Prop 37 or something. Anyways. It allowed automatically for somebody to that was convicted of a drug crime to uh, get some kind of a treatment, you know, um, a rehab as part of their, um, you know, no jail sentence. And I knew a guy who went there because he had a pot case, and he uh, went to this class, and the person that was teaching the class kicked him out and said, this is for people with drug problems. You don't get to be in this class. There's only a limited number of people that can come to this class. And then he went back to the judge, and the judge gave him all kinds of grief. The judge says, no, you got to take that class. And the guy, you know, said, well, the, the teacher wouldn't let me. He ended up getting the result. But it was interesting that, um, you know, they had this, this rehab program. This is back more than ten, almost 10 years ago. And they, you know, the opiate problem was really just starting to rear its head, and they're starting to figure it out. Well, at the same time, we were working with patients already and finding out that cannabis was helping them get off of those opiates. And this was, you know, like I said, it was at least eight, nine years ago. Crazy. Well, I think Illinois is finally a you know, putting the laws where the science is. They're admitting that the science is valid, that, you know, marijuana is, um, you know, potential relief for opioid addiction. So, I mean, what could be bigger now when, uh, uh, right now, opioids are the number one killer of people less than 50 years old. Anything they can do down that road, I think, you know, any government agency should be doing. Well, you know what, this Especially the uh, Veterans Administration. Yeah, that's a big deal right there with the with all the the people that have come back from all of our various wars, and even the old guys. I mean, the last guys from World War II are still alive, and you know, it's uh, all the trauma that comes out of you know being in a wartime situation. I don't know how I know a lot of veterans, and I know most of them enjoy sitting down smoking a joint once in a while. And it may or may not be just because of PTSD or anything, but it helps them deal with with life. It helps it helps their quality of life to be better. And the most important thing is is it doesn't harm anybody. And I think that that is starting to be looked at a little bit when they're starting to open up some of these uh, harm reduction type treatments and and acknowledging that maybe. You know, maybe pot is safer than some of these other other substances out there. Let's call-
pilot from a federal prison. And like I say, Illinois, you know, seldom gets things right, and it sounds like they they really did their their homework on this and got it right with a, a state with a Republican governor and a Democratic uh, legislature. They got it done with overwhelming votes. <laughs> So, well, I mean, you know, the, the science is, is acknowledged. People know it's there. People know it works. I think um, it was probably about four or five years ago they had passed a law of some sort. I had a partner of, of sorts that was connected to the process, and, you know, his big plan was to get up there and get into uh, a grow and open up a dispensary. He was actually going to move me up there to help him with the project at one point. And I'm glad I never, uh, I'm glad I never went, because I'd have been sitting around waiting for about three, four years before anything even had a chance to happen. But hopefully this time they'll, they'll bring it to life. You know, they've got a lot more company now. Every state that comes online now isn't having to be the first guy to stick his toes in the water. There's already a bunch of folks swimming around in the water. That's true. That's true. But another thing around the prison is uh, I, I told you that the, everybody was kind of on pins and needles, you know, because there was all kinds of talk out of the White House and out of the Congress uh, about criminal justice reform laws. Well, <laughs> a few days ago, they announced that they're they're just going to put all that on hold until after the election. So there's on one hand, there's, you know, some depression about it. On the other hand, I think there's a sigh of relief to some degree because everybody's arguing about what's going to be in the, the final law. So that, that at least has went away. Yeah, I think that um, I can remember a few years back when uh, Obama was starting to do some of his pardons and, and some of that stuff was happening. And I can remember um, there was a whole lot of hubbub going on because there was, I think, one guy that was a pot guy that got released. And there were so many people. I I think, no, the first guy I think was a coke. He, he had a cocaine problem. And I, I, I um, became aware through one of the inmates that I was working with with our publishing company way back when. And uh, when he was getting out, I, I spoke with him on the phone, and he had all these big plans, and he was telling me how everybody in that, this was in uh, Colorado, actually, and everybody there was, you know, up in arms about who was going to be next and who was, who, who, who was going to get let go and who wasn't. And um, I think the wasn't ended up being a whole lot more than the wasn't. Let's call it from a federal prison. I think, uh, all in all, the uh, Obama-era clemency project, as it was called, there seems to be a consensus that it was basically overall a failure. As much as they, they did commute the sentences of 1,714 uh, federal prisoners, the original goal was 10,000. And when they came down to about the last year and a half, they had, I think it was over 20,000 applications and they just kind of went nilly-willy through them uh, uh, how they considered, you know, which ones to grant and which ones to deny. It's really kind of crazy some of the ones that, that I've seen granted to guys that 
They were part of street gang drug organizations that actually killed people. And they left here. <laughs> and uh, under the clemency project, you know, but then, you know, the likes of me are still here and, you know, many that are situated like me with John Knock and Vance and so many others. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a little bit sick to my stomach a couple of the times when I saw some of the people that had been given clemency when I knew already what I was comparing them to. And I wondered, I, I never really found the, the answer. I never really looked for it. But um, do you know where Obama ended up landing in the history of presidents with their pardons? Um, he did more commutations or, you know, changing of the sentences than any other president. I think the one that's done the, the most ex executive clemencies, which also, you know, which is uh, commutations plus pardons, I think uh, President Ford actually held that because, uh, if you remember, he granted pardons to basically all the Vietnam draft dodgers. Right. And I think there was about I think there was about six or eight thousand of those. Yeah, and he was so only he, in he office for a right couple of years. But but uh, President Ford got serious about it. He actually set up a crew to actually process all the applications and all that. President Obama never did. He never added any resources. He never sent up, you know, an agency or anything else. They they just let him sit. There's, there was 9,000 of them still left unprocessed when he, when he left office. And many of those still haven't been answered, to tell you the truth. Well, but Trump is promising to do a new system, and uh, part of that new system it's right now clemency petitions are, are sent in and processed by the Justice Department through what's called the Office of Burden Attorney, who is also a, a U.S. attorney or a prosecutor. The office is right in the uh, Department of Justice. It, it's completely made up of prosecutors. So if a prosecutor resists a clemency for a person, it's automatically denied. I mean, this, it, it's an office run by prosecutors. That's something that President Eisenhower changed. Before that, it was completely run out of the White House, and each case was uh, judged on its merits, you know, regardless of the prosecutor's opinion. Now, Trump is, uh, Jared Kushner has started uh, to lean that way, and he has, from what I'm told, about a thousand applications that the White House itself is going to process and, and not run them through the pardon attorney's office. So I'm, I'm encouraged that they've seen the air the error in that system, and they, they might actually go back to a system where it's based on, does this person deserve clemency, not whether, you know, will this make the prosecutor look bad? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that would actually indicate an evidence of some justice. I think that, you know, if something was actually based on its merit and was actually able to be judged truly by its merit, we would actually be able to say, yeah, we do have a justice system rather than saying we have a legal system, which is what most of the people that I know that are involved in, you know, advocacy and activism on this side of it uh, would call it a legal system rather than a justice system. Well, and there is situations like mine, a first-time offender on a marijuana church with a life without parole sentence. Like I told you, even the... 
the administrators and the guards in the prison are forever pulling me up. Is this true about you? I heard, you know, da 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 da. So even they're surprised by it. The American public's surprised by it. But I think if they, I think there was so much resistance from the prosecutor to my did, just based on them being embarrassed that, you know, they have to answer the question, you know, how did you get, you know, give a life sentence to this? <laughs> they didn't want to answer that. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny. I, I've been talking about unity and division and things like that um, in the last several episodes, and I think that a lot of what happens with people is they get in a compromising position and they don't want to deal with things. People don't like to claim ownership of their own actions, and they'd rather, you know, either throw up some kind of a handful of dirt in your in your eyes and say, oh, look at that thing, or point their finger at somebody else, rather than own something that they did, say, wow, you know what, we uh, we made some poor judgments back then, maybe we should revisit this and do the right thing, maybe implement some justice. They just don't do that very often. That's correct, that's correct, but look at the cases that, you know, that the president didn't consider, like John Knox. A first-time offender, you know, again, a successful, educated person that was just marginally connected to a marijuana group, and again, he got a life sentence, you know, just like mine. Now, why, you know, now, if they actually look at it not from a legal point of view, but from a, a point of view of right and wrong, neither one of us are dangerous, never been dangerous, and never will be dangerous, so who should they release, one of us? Or that street gang member that's already part of killing people. Oh, you know, the, the answer should just be so easy. Nobody should even have to think about it. And yet, here we are having a conversation. Well, you've had your first beep already. Well, thank you, thank you. But one thing I'd like to ask for all the listeners is push the White House. Push the White House for those people like me, you know, sending, I, from what I've, I've actually seen in announcements from the White House, they prefer emails. So if you can email to the White House, to ask the White House, look at some of these crazy sentences. Like Alice Johnson, who did get clemency, like me, like John Knott, like others, where the sentence doesn't fit the person or the crime. You know, please ask the White House to consider that rather than, you know, some silly legal stuff and whatever the prosecutor has to say to protect well, and there goes Craig Cecil, and I'm going to um, I'm going to put out a little a little incentive. Um, I uh, I've been trying and working with Craig for I don't know. It's been about five or six years now. I think it's more than five years. Before I started the show, I was working with Craig, and Craig has had all kinds of things that have happened over the years. And he's had medical problems, and he's had um, problems being moved. He's had problems with his son dying. He's had problems with his appeals. He's had problems all along the way. And when he's asked for our help, I have put the word out through our network And people have responded. And when they respond, that's a sign of unity. When we put a call to action and say, hey, 
here's something that needs to be done. We don't care what banner you wear when you do it. We don't care if you wear our T-shirt or your T-shirt or our ribbon or your hat or whatever the hell you do to identify yourself as something that's not us. But what does matter is that we stand together as one voice when an action needs to be taken. And Craig has put the meat out many, many times, and we've responded many times, and we've gotten tangible changes to happen as a result of what we've done as a unified front, both with just the human solution and in the beginning time of the UCCA, we, we did a couple of things as a group all at once that were somewhat successful. But at the end of the day, we got action to happen because people didn't even necessarily get off their asses. You can type an email from wherever you sit. You can sit on your ass and accomplish this. So I'm going to put out a little incentive. If you are to send an email to the White House and CC me at grumbinejoe at gmail.com, y'all, most of the people listening have either had my uh, email or I will type it up here on the YouTube live stream. This will be exciting. If you send an email to the White House and CC me at this email that I just sent, I'll give you a gift. You'll like the gift. I guarantee I'm not going to tell you what it is on the on the air because I'm not even sure what it's going to be. But it'll it'll be worth at least ten or fifteen bucks, and I'll send it to you, and you won't have to do anything. So all it takes is an email to the White House asking them one of a couple of things. You could ask them to uh, start speaking up when it comes to um, supporting legislation that would remove cannabis from Schedule One or even from the scheduling altogether, or maybe even better, some sentencing reform. Why in the hell do we have people in prison today, nonviolent first-time offenders serving any time at all, much less 20 to life? How is that even possible? Why do we have that happening? Send an email to the White House, carbon copy me, and I'll send you a prize. And you'll like it. All right, we were talking about unity and showing up and what it takes to unite rather than to divide. And I think, frankly, what it takes to unite rather than to divide is just to not be divisive, not to make a point of going out on your own when there's a group that is doing good work. We have had a history over the last 10 years of bringing a lot of good, strong people together. And generally speaking, in my opinion, the worst thing you can do is bring a bunch of strong people together because what will likely happen, and we're, we're overcoming that right now, and we're going to talk about the A-team next week. We're going to talk about about a strike force. We're going to talk about being in an upper echelon of activists, people that are willing to um, put their egos aside and work 
really hard to accomplish things together. Uh, but it's a small group. It's a it's a very small number. But the point is, it can be done. Just being strong, just being a leader, generally means you're going to branch off of whatever it is you're doing with somebody else if you're not leading it. A good leader can follow too. A good leader can work together as a team. A good leader can work with other leaders. And that's what we don't seem to have a lot of. Uh, so many leaders I've run into. Um, for whatever reason, I never could quite understand what keeps people from being willing to work with other strong people. Um, we're quick to be destructive and slow to be constructive. And I think a lot of it has to do with our feelings, getting our little our little feelings hurt. I don't know how many times I've watched uh, people working together. And when you work together, you have a vision and you have a uh, hopefully some common goals. And what happens a lot of times is when you're working together in a group, everybody's going along seeing this goal and thinking about it in a certain way, and one person's vision might be a little different than another person's vision, and one person's way of accomplishing that vision might be very different from another person's way of accomplishing that vision. And I don't know, it just seems that that's where a lot of things go wrong. There's a lot of, of people that I've come in contact with that are the problem people. And what I mean by the problem people, when you're going along in a situation and you're trying to accomplish something, generally we're being creative and we're being pioneers. By being creative, I mean we have a goal without a roadmap. We're trying to accomplish something that probably hasn't been accomplished before. And that means there's not a, a template on how to do it. And when you are doing that, it's important that you get behind one way of doing it and are willing to adjust if it stops working. But you'll get people that have uh, whatever idea that you have, people will come up with a problem. Well, we can't do that because, or I couldn't figure that out, or I can't do this, or, or we we're, we're not allowed to do this, or if we do this, that'll happen. There are so many people that I've come upon who, no matter what you give them as a task or a um, an opportunity or a vision or a goal, they will come and tell you why they can't do it, how they can't do it, what's wrong with it. And so seldom do you find people that say, yeah, you know what, we'll make this happen. Come hell or high water, we will get together and we'll we'll do it even if we have to work hard. We'll do it even if we have to show up over and over again. We'll do it even if it's boring. We'll do it even if it's difficult. We'll do it even if we're, we look stupid while we're doing it. Every once in a while you find somebody that's like that. But most people, I couldn't do it because. I couldn't make it because. I'm already doing all I can do. I, you know, all of the reasons why not. And we sit here today in the last Wednesday of August in the year 2018. We're coming up on 100 years 
since prohibition first got begun to be implemented. And we're not any better off, really, than we were. We think we are because some people aren't going to get thrown in jail next week because of some of the things we're doing. We think we're better off because some people are licensed to do certain things. But the reality is some poor bastard got arrested in uh, Florida because of CBD last week. There's people getting raided over the stupidest things. There's people getting arrested and having their property taken and every kind of prohibitionist type activity in every single state that has laws that allow it. So, nah, we're not much better off. Is it a completely uh, tyrannical situation the way it's been in years past? Not quite as bad. But that should piss you off even more rather than have you rest on your laurels. There are all kinds of people that come into this activist world. And I look for patterns when we're when we're moving along. And one of the things that typically we have in common is that we've been affected directly by the war on drugs, meaning we've been arrested. I've been arrested shit, five times, I think, fought 20, I think a total of almost 30 felonies. Ultimately, I've won, and I never took a deal, and I never ratted on anybody, but I'm in small company. There's not a lot of people that can state that claim. The truth is, yeah, my activists woke up the very first time they threw me in a holding cell over 10 years ago. And I, I was always an activist of sorts, but I didn't become this version of activist until I was stuck in a concrete room that I couldn't get out of. And then I had to fight my way through a system for the next six years, and I watched people all around me do the same thing. That's what a lot of us have in common. Some of us have in common a friend or a loved one, or it's happened to somebody that they've known. Some actually get it. Some actually value this plant and recognize that it's worthy of fighting for without having to endure incarceration and loss of freedom. But the thing that I found that most activists have in common is that we're damaged. There's something wrong with us. And by something wrong with us, I mean we might have battled or are battling some kind of a physical ailment or a mental ailment or, again, a freedom ailment. But there's something that we are dealing with or overcoming. And there's something about when you get outside of your own personal comfort zone that brings you into a world where you can work on something that's bigger than you. And that's the thing I think that, that we all have in common. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't fakes out there, there aren't provocateurs out there, there aren't um, people who just are here to ride coattails and are in their own agenda. There's plenty of people like that. I'm talking about the true activists. 
And so what happens when you have a bunch of damaged people that get together for a common good, a common goal? Well, we have a lot of heart, a lot of passion. Well, what happens when passionate people get together and they are passionate about things? Inevitably, somebody says something or does something that upsets another person and inevitably, there's some kind of a conflict, and conflict sometimes escalate. And ultimately, what happens is division. Division happens. One of them will walk away. Both of them will walk away. Fingers will point. Accusations will fly. And at the end of it, we're not stronger. We're never stronger when these things happen. We're always weaker. And that's what I've seen happen over and over and over. So we have to keep in mind as we're working together that there is these inherent roadblocks that we need to be aware of. And I think that, I don't know, maybe if enough of us started to pay attention to that, we would focus on unity. All right, I'm sort of rambling around a little bit, but I've got some stories I want to get to, and I will get to them. But we've got Pete Yapel on the line and Glenn Keeling on the line. And uh, Creed Leffler was here. My guess is he'll come back. And let's start with Pete. Now, anybody who knows Pete Yapel, tell him to settle the hell down. He's working <laughs> too hard. He's getting himself sick. And we're only going to be good if we can keep fighting. That's another thing that we have in common is we usually work tirelessly and we don't ever give ourselves enough um, enough rest time, enough time to recover, recuperate. We just keep going because work needs to be done and we need somebody needs to do it. And it ain't going to do itself. So, Pete, before, without any further ado, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm actually really good today, Joe. I truly sat on my ass all day long. I, oh, <laughs> I, I truly did that. That's hey, like the, the one first person time I've done that. I, I can't tell you how long. I'd be glad that sitting on their ass for a day. Yay. Now, mind you, I was working while I was sitting, but at least I was sitting. You know what I mean? That, that's there a plus. Uh, that's a huge plus. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, we, I, I had a great day today, had a great conversation. We, me and you talked earlier. We're setting up another account here for Willow Creek Springs uh, to uh, be the premier uh, line in a store here. Uh, we're bringing that over here, and we're going to open up another one. And there's, there's a lot of opportunity happening. And uh, this past weekend, we did this music festival. We did a three-day music festival. Uh, Helen sat out there on Friday. We collected a few. We've collected a few donations. We're going to send them uh, your way this week. Uh, it was it was great. It was a great crowd, great people, um, and uh, uh, you know, just it's just been it's been awesome to be able to get out there. And you know, mind you, I did have a stroke and left the hospital to go to the event. But uh, oh, <laughs> you know, but, but but listen, listen, that you, you're right, Joe. That there there's. There are a few liberties that have been given across the country, but we're really no we're really no better. And, and, and an unfortunate thing that happens too a lot of times, I find, is in states where 
progress is made in some sort of way, and 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 primarily once there's some sort of recreational aspect, uh, the, the the state quiets down. The state, you know, I mean, the people there, there's they 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 don't push as much. Now they have to understand that fine. They may have some state laws and a few state liberties, but it doesn't protect them. It's, we know the federal government doesn't care and, and can do as they please. So, you know, your fight never ends until we all have freedom, till no one's in jail, till everyone, till, till cannabis is as common as grass or as a paved road or as a road sign. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't have to be comparable to a plant. It just needs to be without notice. You know, it just needs to be every day and un- until it's that. And again, we do all fight for reason- different reasons. I fight because the plant saved my life, not only saved my life, keeps me alive and, uh, you know, and, and healthy as, as I can be. I mean, I couldn't imagine if I did everything I tried to accomplish in a day uh, and didn't treat with cannabis. Uh, I, I'd be in a bag of pharmaceuticals, and I wouldn't, again, be able to do what I'm doing, um, and that's what people don't understand. Um, there's a huge misconception on the East Coast uh, uh, about CBDs and what CBDs are and what uh, the, uh, a, a proper medication to take is, whether you know, most people are buying you know, hemp seed oil and thinking they're really medicating themselves. And, and, and it's, it's a shame. And, you know, and the news doesn't help here because they're just as ignorant. And uh, it, that's why I'm glad I'm here. You know, as much as everybody knows I wanted to stay out west or go back to Florida, I'm needed here right now, man. This is where I have to be um, because these are my people, you know. <laughs> Let's be realistic. <laughs> you know, I lived most of my life here in, on this ground. So uh, I, I owe it to everybody here, and I'm doing everything I can. If you guys can help me, please reach out to me, 845-522-3162. That's my personal number. You can call it. I might not answer right away, but I will call you back, I promise. Also, Solidarity Over Separation, the Human Solutions New York chapter. We're on Facebook. Please contact us there or at canawetalk420.com. Please, guys. We've got a whole world of, uh, of things that we're doing. We're doing TV. We're doing radio. We're doing concert tours. We're doing, I mean, you name it, we're doing it. And when I say we, I'm talking about me. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got some help. Don't get me wrong. I have Nikki Tenney and James Tenney. They're always available to me. I have a friend of mine, Larry Lawless, that helps from time to time. Helen, of course. Without Helen, I do not function. Uh, so, you know, uh, that goes without saying. Uh, and then, of course, my nephew Bart. That's just really been a really been a superstar lately. Well, uh, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't deny that you're getting more work done with you and your little crew up there in New York than most of the other spots uh, that are functioning today. And so, um, you know, that's what I'm. I keep talking about unity. What if? What if we all decided to work together on a little project? What if we all decided to, I don't know, let's let's do it together this time instead of I'm over there and they're over there and he's doing that thing over there and that guy's doing that thing over there. Why don't just once we decide to do it together? I just um, I keep I keep waiting for somebody to to call in and explain it to me why they can't or why they won't or 
even better yet, why they will, and let's get started. Hey, Joe, but I think that people don't understand. This is, I think, one misconception that people have, that when we ask them, please come to the human solution, we'll, you know, help us, we'll help you, blah, 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 blah. We're not asking you to lose your identity at all. Shit, I do my own thing on a daily basis. Not everything I do is SOS. Joe knows that for Christ's sakes. But we work together. We're working to the same goal. Everything I do with my company, yes. I stamp SOS right along with it. Why? Because, it, A, it's important to me. It, it's super important to me. And, and, two, they go with each other, for Christ's sakes almighty. You know, 90% or – well, it's not – I won't say 90%. Let's say that at this point in time, what is it, maybe uh, 55% of the country treats illegally in some form, shape, or whatever. I mean, it, you know – uh, those of us that are the majority are the minority, and I, I just don't understand how that happens because it doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're homosexual. It doesn't matter if you're heterosexual. If you're a sick human being or if you are a human being, you need the cannabis plant. So, I mean, where, where is all of this commotion? Again, we're talking about a plant that's never hurt, maimed, killed, caused harm to anyone whatsoever in any fashion. So how can it be such a terrible thing? You know, I just received an inbox today that, uh, and I'll be attending. I'm, I actually just wrote to a senator that I know so that I could get involved. Uh, New York uh, State Legislature is holding a session on cannabis, and I'm going to make sure I'm there. And um, you know, yes, we'll be there with ribbons, and yes, we will be there and letting them know what we feel, man. Uh, uh, this is this is just get, it's getting out of hand. It's it's truly getting to the point of ridiculum, with all of the information that's available. The, this is another thing now. This this is one more thing I want to say. One more thing I want to say about this is, what's that? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take ridiculum. That's a great word. I I tell them here a word that that somebody uses that I haven't used before. So I'm going to borrow that one. Yeah, it's become, a, it's become part of my vocabulary, which is a scary part about it. Uh, it truly is. It, but it is, it's, it is. I can't think of a better way to explain it because it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, but that word there isn't comparable enough to what it truly is. And ridiculum, I think, kind of like uh, covers it all. But, I'm um, there. I'm um, that one. I, I, two thumbs up. I just, I just want everybody to know that, listen, we're here if you need us. Please, we do need you. Come, come, on, come on board. Do another thing, too. Please visit uh, uh, our board. All of our nominees are in now and locked, correct, Joe, as of tomorrow? Uh, is it Thursday? Tomorrow is actually the last day to submit a nomination, but that's what I'm going right. to do right, so, after, right after you. Right. Let, let, let's get them in there, guys. They got some people to run against. I'm telling you, we've got some we've got some heavy hitters in our organization, man. That uh, we all care, and that's and and if you do care and you do have some time, you know, you know, please, man, put it towards a great cause. And I can't think of a better one than Human Solution. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, Pete Apple just tearing it up in New York and uh, the surrounding areas. So um, it's a it's a it's a pleasure. Um, I'm gonna have to tell you though. I'm gonna put my foot down. No more strokes. 
no more uh, no more hospital time. Uh, that is no yeah. longer acceptable activity. So just uh, be, be mindful of that. Yeah, the last two days have really taught me that I have to I have to refuel. You know, I just have to refuel, and, and and that's what I did. I just took a little time, and it's not like again, like I said, it's not like I didn't work. I got stuff done, but uh, I'm the kind that's like, as I'm talking to you now, I've paced around my house 412 times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, right. you have a great night, man, and it's always a pleasure to talk to y'all again. Reach out if y'all need me. You betcha. All right. Pete Yapel, once again, I will, uh, um, it's always a pleasure to work with Pete, and uh, he's one of these guys that is, you know, when I met him, we were actually, the UCCA was um, was actually sort of functioning, um, and I, I got started to tell the story of the UCCA, um, and when I was in this place in the Midwest a few years back and we fought really hard for this case and we won this case. This uh, defendant was uh, acquitted on all counts except for one minor one which uh, ultimately uh, he did a couple of months. But at the end of the day, his mom who is the one who organized this, and that's his close to identifying anybody I'm ever going to get. Um, she was very adamant about understanding the value of unity. And there was such a passion for let's create a unified group. We need to get all the groups together. And so we put the word out. And I can remember, this is almost three years ago now. Yeah, I guess it was only three, not four years ago. But it was, yeah, about two and a half years ago we started the UCCA. And we got together, and I swear to God we had at least 50 people on those first conference calls. And I was so proud of all these people that had come together. And there was people from little groups and people from big groups and and individual uh, advocates and activists, and we <laughs> we 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 got so far as to create our name, and we wrote out a mission statement, and we even had created a website, and we had a couple of dozen people that regularly were getting together to work. We created our uh, Facebook pages, and we actually did a couple of little attempts at an effort. But if I look at the page today, there's about four or five people that post stuff on it, and very little of it is about actually ending prohibition. It's usually some legalization, something or another. And we all agreed when we started this organization that we're not about some BS law that limited allows for things. We were about ending cannabis prohibition across the globe. Completely ending it, freeing the plant. That's what we were there for. 
And today, there's a handful of people that post a few things, and none of them generally have anything to do with ending prohibition. There's this and that about this law or that law. There's this and that about some random tidbit of something. And there's once in a while something about a prisoner. But it fell flat. And about almost a year ago, we were working on that big letter. We worked so hard, a handful of us worked really hard, and we, we drafted a letter, and we we, we actually um, made it so easy. It was, it was when the Rohrbacher Amendment was moving forward, and it was about to, it was one of the amazing people that are still part of the UCCA um, came up with this idea of, you know, if we could just get support all at once, before this bill dies, we can keep it alive and, and, and make a difference. And a handful of us worked our asses off. And we did everything we could think of to promote this letter. And we got, I don't know, I think we broke a thousand. <laughs> a thousand. And we were like slapping ourselves on the back every which way. And then, you know, you look at some dumbass video on YouTube with some girl's bathing suit fell down a little bit, and there will be three million hits or some whatever. You just look at anything that actually was successful, and you'll see millions. We got a 1,000 from the diehard, hardcore activists, and the work we did to get those 1,000 was unparalleled. I mean, we wrote the letter for you. We handed it to you. We told you how to do it. And even then, everybody, all the problem people, oh, I can't figure it out, I can't download it, I can't write it, I can't, I can't, I can't. And we would hand feed it to you. We would literally, I mean, it was unbelievable. And at the end of the day, we looked at each other and licked our wounds and kept walking. Um, but that was the last thing that we really did as the UCCA. And I don't know, I would love to see there be a renewed interest and I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the UCCA. I don't care if it's the UCCB. I don't see, care if we make up another name, but I don't know what it's going to take to unite the people to really actually get all the people and speak as one voice. Get in one room and say, here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. And we're going to take it seriously enough to grow it. We're going to take it seriously enough to, I don't know, move past what always keeps us from doing it. All right. Glenn Keeley is going to be up next, and uh, Creed Leffler is on the line, and uh, or he keeps coming on and popping off. But when one of the times he pops on, we'll get him on. Um, elections are coming up. In about a month, we're going to be having our elections. The human solution, every two years, as I've been saying for the past six months, uh, elects all of its leadership. Tomorrow is the last day for nominations. Uh, this last week we got one final nomination. So I'm going to go ahead and read all of the nominations. We have until midnight tomorrow to nomination in, otherwise... This is where it will be. So 
So for president and CEO, myself and Pete Yapel are running. Vice president, we have Pete Yapel, Glenn Keeling, Lisa Wooldridge. Treasurer, CFO, Becca Nichols is running unopposed at this time. Secretary, Pete Yapel is running unopposed at this time. Chairman of the board, I'm running unopposed at this time. And for the board, we have Becca Nichols, Pete Yapel, Peggy Kimmel, Glenn Keeling, Lisa Wooldridge, Laura Roberts, Mary Donnelly and Kathy Z are our candidates. As of midnight tomorrow, that will be the last opportunity that we have in order to um, uh, submit a candidate. Now, in order to vote, you must be a card-carrying member of the Human Solution, which means that unless you are on a very short list of lifetime members, you will have paid your dues within the last 365 days. Um, we have multiple tiers of membership. We have a $15 a year membership. We have a $50, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, anyways, like a sponsor. Then we have a $100 sponsorship. And then we have what our favorites are. Obviously, we like them all, but we have a $420 a month membership. And we have a 620 uh, or 630. Um, it's 630. That's what it went in. It was going to be 710, but it turned into 630. Anyways, it's 630 for a couple. And so this last month, um, or yeah, within this, within approximately the last month, I want to um, just give a shout out out to the new members that have signed up. Now, if you sign up for a um, if you sign up for a membership, a 420 or 630 membership, it is good for one year. So you're not, we're not like one of those companies that you sign up for something and until you unsign up for it, it just keeps running. Every year you get to make the decision, am I still supporting this work? Do I, do I support this work that this group of all volunteers, that none of them gets paid a dime, um, is doing and is it worth my uh Submitting again next next year. So hold on. Uh, we love dead air. I'm trying to log in and it's giving me grief right now. Oh, I'm signing on to see who signed up. Yay! We got new people that signed up. You can go to messages. No, I got straight from. Straight from the place. All right, here we go. Um, so in the last month, we've had um, – hold on. This is what I'm trying to do. Past 30 days. All right. So Melody Cashin, um, she's been on the show, and she's an advocate out of, I think, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee – that area, she's got a case going on. She signed up in July, the end of July, and um, so really pleased that uh, she joined up. I was hoping to have her back on the show, um, but we haven't yet. But if you talk to her, you know, tell her it's important. It would be great for her to come on. Um, then we got Mary Carlin and um, her significant other. A pair of them signed up um, for the for the monthly membership. And then we got a company um, that's a pet product called Petitudes, 
and the owner of the company's name is Jerry. He signed up as a sponsor. Um, and we got Dee Dee Kirkwood. She is an all-time amazing person, and um, she she gave a donation uh, for her sponsorship. Um, myself and my wife signed up again as a monthly membership. Um, we got Dave and Maria Pania. They both signed up. Jay Moon signed up as a sponsor. Susan Cadigan signed up as a 420 member. Um, and you got Debbie Elkins. She signed up as a 420 member. And just today, Nicole Lewis signed up. So I'm really pleased for everybody that um, has signed up in the last little bit. And um, it makes a difference. Did you see the pickle one, too? Yeah, that's, that's Debbie Elkins. Okay. Um, what it means is that the Human Solution, who is a um, an all-volunteer, nonprofit, 501c3 civil rights organization, we stand up for people that are fighting cases. We have the tools to help you to stand up for yourself. We have been through it. I've been through it. So many people have. And when it all comes down to it, we know how to work together. We will work together and we'll help you with your case, with your cause, with whatever it is that's helping us end prohibition. Our mission is to educate and support. Educate and support with the purpose of ending cannabis prohibition right now. And we'll keep going once cannabis prohibition is over, but for right now, that's what we're doing. And that's that's what we do. Uh, we've supported cases all over the country. We've supported cases in the U.K., in Canada, in Australia, we've had members in Japan, all over, all all over the place. Um, and whenever there's a case, we don't care how many plants you had. We don't care if you were following your state's law. We don't care if you had some other strange thing happening. What we care is that no one should go to jail for a plant. No one should lose their job for a plant. No one should lose their home, their kid. No one should ever suffer because of this plant. Unless they're allergic to it, then probably shouldn't be for you. But that's the point. There's been cases I've supported, and I couldn't stand the person that was involved. And maybe they should have been in jail for something else, but they certainly shouldn't have been in jail for cannabis. And that's the point. This is not about any one of us. This is not about any specific detail. This is not about that's okay, but this isn't. It's about no one should go to jail for a plant ever, ever. And that's, I think, part of the problem. That's the division. We have so many people that can, that can for whatever reason, find a place that's outside of that. And I just can't help but think that if we got together more often and more regularly and more of us and started to articulate that thought, tell me why does this plant need to be regulated? Not one person yet has done it. Why does this plant need to be taxed unlike any other plant? Why does this plant need to be restricted why does this plant need to be uber-modulated, over-corrected? 
Why does this plant need to be restricted? Give me a reason, a solid reason, fact-based reason. Not fear-based, but fact-based. And I'll let you come on this show and tell us all about it. But, I don't know, for almost five years now, I keep saying, and James has got it right, you're right, it does not. <laughs> that is the correct answer, my friend. That is the correct answer. It does not. And until it is not, we're going to keep going. So I hope, actually, some of you guys are getting sick of my voice, and you'll stand together with me just to get me to shut the hell up. And if you like my voice, then stand with me so we can talk about something else. We want to hear stories. And I'll tell stories. I've got stories for days. But the stories are all to make a point. The stories are all to hopefully inspire and educate and 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 cause us to realize that sometimes there's things we need to do or things we need to not do. So, now that we've got the uh, election stuff in play, in about one month's time we'll be having elections. It will be on the website. THSINTL.org. We'll be talking about it. The elections will be held for 24 hours, and anybody who is an active member gets a vote. That's it. Plain and simple. It's as pure democracy as you could ever have. Pure democracy. All right, we got Glenn Keeling. Glenn Keeling's another one. He's a warrior. He's fighting a case by himself. He gets it. He's been through the mud with other groups. He's been through uh, all kinds of division and BS. And he's pledged his support. He's pledged to help us end prohibition once and for all. The Creative Care Beacon chapter, when we were talking about what is the human solution, how does it work, (coughs) we're a beacon, we're a lighthouse. When you get busted and it doesn't matter how great your laws are, how terrible they are, you could still get busted. Why? Because we still have prohibition. And if you get busted, you will find this one thing out. You will find out that all your friends, or most of them, are going to run the other way. Because that's what happens. And you will find that you will have a stink on you that won't rub off. It's worse than a skunk. It is a thing that makes you like a leper. And nobody wants to be around you anymore. Because they think they're going to catch it. Run! But when you find somebody or a group of people that say, hey, wait a minute, hold on, come on over here, or we'll even better yet come walking over to you, um, that's, that's what the beacon is all about. And that's what we're all about. And Glenn and his wife Peggy get that, and that's why they named their chapter the Creative Care Beacon, which I just absolutely love that name. Um, and also, just so you know, um, uh, Pete Gaples. Um, chapter is named Solidarity Over Separation. The very damn thing we're talking about right now. United we stand, divided we fall. Solidarity over separation. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about standing together, working together, being together, and accomplishing something as a team. That's what we're talking about. Glenn Keeling, you're live on the air. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good evening, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on. Man, that's that's a good introduction. 
Well, let me tell you something. If it'll happen, it will definitely happen. If you, it doesn't matter whether you live in a quote unquote, and I throw big quotations around this legalization, or whether you live in just a, a non legal, non anything state, it's going to happen to you. Eventually, you're going to face charges. Sometimes, somehow, you're going to be facing this horrible. Between my wife and I, we were looking at 27 felonies and four misdemeanors. Not that the misdemeanors are a lot. 27 felonies. But between the two of us, we're looking at 112 years in prison. 112 years between two people in prison for a plant. That, oh, my God, I'm going to use this word. Oh, I hate this word more than anything. But we were allowed, <laughs> allowed to use this life-saving plant for our, our diseases. She suffers horribly with, with MS, and I have Crohn's, but her suffering is day-to-day horrible, and cannabis does help her. Listen, people, everybody's going to need help. Sometimes, some, it, it doesn't matter whether you're in a case or not within a case. Whether you're feeling down or whether you're feeling sad, there is somebody here the human solution here to help you. Uh, reach out to one of us. Reach out to somebody. We're not very hard to find. The human solution international.com is, is very easy to pop in your... There's a huge group of people there that open arms that will listen and, and help you. Keith uh, Yapel, man, I've I, I, I got it. Man, I had the pleasure of going to New York and, and spending time with him and his wife. And lovely people, great, caring, man, strong people, strong people. Um, we've got to slow down some, though. I know you hear me. Uh, slow down, brother. We want to have you around for the long haul. Uh, Joe Grumbine and his wife are, oh, my God. They are warriors right there, buddy. I tell you, I, I am so proud to be part of a, a, a of an organization with so many great people, so many great people that are involved with this organization, and, and I thank every one of them. Listen, people, my name is Glenn Keeling. I'm very easy to find, <laughs> very easy to find. Or you can even give me a call at 419-863-0498. Uh, we're here. We're here to help people. Um, hopefully, in the next tomorrow, we have a and uh, another attorney at conference. Um, crazy, like I said, my wife and I are facing tremendous amount of charges, and, and it's wild because we're we're charged with possession of drugs. Either way it goes, the court has allowed us to use the very thing that we are being charged with. Um, and I understand that we are the first ones so far that has been allowed to use exactly what they're charging us with in this cannabis world that we live in. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, it, it is absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's though that we bring attention to the crazy, to the ridiculum, as uh, as Pete would say, <laughs> that that hopefully, if people can scratch their heads and go, really, are you kidding me? This is happening. 
possibly, possibly, just maybe, uh, more of us would stand together and start pushing. And when we push more, that's when things start changing. We have the numbers, we have the strength, we have the ability, we just need to bring it together and get it to happen. And Glenn, I know you're going to help, and I know it's going to happen, and um, we just need to keep pushing until it does. Right on. But listen, and another big thing, people, oh, my God, huge, huge thing, write a letter. Write a letter. Oh, yeah. It really does help. Between Peggy and I, we had a total of 230 letters wrote for us that either went to the judge or went to the prosecutor. Um, the letters are huge. Um, keep them coming and until this case is over. It's not over yet, but, yeah, definitely keep the letters going. They definitely help. And another big help is uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I'm sure that Peggy will be able to post the number. Call the courthouse. Call the courthouse and let them know, you know, how, how unfair. Not just for us. I mean, yes, absolutely. Call for us, write for us. But there's somebody right there close to you that you can do the exact same thing for. And you know what? It, it doesn't take you, – you don't even have to get up. You don't even have to get up. Pick up the phone, grab a piece of paper and a pen. Very simple, very easy way to support people. You know, uh, cannot be stressed enough that support from everyone is huge. Together, we, we're stronger together. That's all there is to it. Well, you are so right. And, um, you know, I'm watching one by one. One by one, they're coming. And I think the important part is for us to be ready to to help to direct and to help to uh to, to stand there one of the things and, and glenn i'm going to go ahead and uh, uh move you over to the next to the other room um but again always always a pleasure to have you glenn keeling folks from ohio glenn and his wife peggy um they're walking the walk they're making it happen um shit i just lost my train of thought all right well we're going to yeah. Pass into the next room. Yeah, see, that's what happened. I pushed you to the next room, and I forgot what I was saying. God dang it. Um, all right, I got uh, Terry Cannon on the line, and uh, she's going to speak. But I want to want to share a little little tidbit, and then after Terry, I'm going to tell a little story, more of a in-depth story, a story that's going to put another piece of crap accusation to rest, Yay. which will be nice because the last one's dead and. There's only a couple more that have ever been out there, so we'll put them all to rest, and then we can really move forward. Uh, I walked out my door today, and I looked down, and I have um, a big patio that is down the stairs from my house. And when I looked down my stairs today as I walked out, I saw a rattlesnake. And I thought... For a second, I looked at that rattlesnake, and I said, oh, you're beautiful. It was a really pretty-looking snake. And then I went over, and I grabbed a shovel, and I dispatched it. And I separated its head from the rest of its body. And when I did that, I noticed that the head bit the body. Oh. And it really struck me, <laughs> struck me as, yeah, that's a rattlesnake. And it, I thought of this little uh, 
fable, and I'll, I'll read this. It's a Cherokee legend called The Little Boy and the Rattlesnake. And this is something that I, I finally think maybe I got the, I finally got the, uh, the lesson. And here it is. The little boy was walking down a path, and he came across the rattlesnake. The rattlesnake was getting old. He asked, please, little boy, can you take me to the top of the mountain? I hope to see the sunset one last time before I die. The little boy answered, no, Mr. Rattlesnake. If I pick you up, you'll bite me and I'll die. The rattlesnake said, no, I promise. I won't bite you. Just please take me to the top of the mountain. The little boy thought about it and finally picked up that rattlesnake and took it close to his chest and carried it to the top of the mountain. And they sat there and they watched the sunset together. It was so beautiful. And after the sunset, the rattlesnake turned to the little boy and asked, Can I go home now? I'm tired and I'm old. The little boy picked up the snake again and took it to his chest and held it tightly and safely. And he came all the way down the mountain holding the snake carefully and he took it to its home to give him some food and a place to sleep. The next day, the, the rattlesnake turned to the boy and asked, Please, little boy, will you take me back to my home now? It's time for me to leave the world and I'd like to be at my home now. And the little, boy felt, the little boy felt like he'd been safe all this time. And the snake had kept his word, so he would take it home, as asked. He carefully picked up the snake, took it close to his chest, and carried him back to the woods to his home to die. Just before he laid the rattlesnake down, the rattlesnake turned and bit him on the chest. And the little boy cried out and threw the snake upon the ground. Mr. Snake, why did you do that? Now I will surely die. The rattlesnake looked up at him and grinned. He knew what I was when you picked me up. And I think that that's something that we need to be mindful of. There are rattlesnakes out there. And in this movement and, and you know, the old, uh, the old saying, no good deed goes unpunished, and I refuse to own that saying, even though I've, I've, I've uh, experienced it so many times. There are people out there that are rattlesnakes. And I say to you this, look at their body of work. Anybody, anybody who is out there doing what they say they're going to do will have evidence of it. They'll have a body of work. They'll have what they've done with their life or with their last several years or with whatever. They'll have a body of work. And I tell you what, there are paths that say that you're not saved by your works, and maybe you are, maybe you're not. I'm not the one to judge that. But I know that your works will show the world who you are because that's what you have is your works. What have you done with your life? And there are people who talk a talk and say they're going to do things or, or, or act like they're part of this or that or the other thing, and then when you feel like everything's okay, they bite you in the chest. And you can't always tell. Rattlesnakes are easy. They got a rattle and fangs. But when I saw that rattlesnake bite itself, I thought to myself, you are true to your nature. You couldn't help yourself. You had to bite something. When your your head was not attached to its body, it still knew I got to bite something. I got to put my venom in it. And... I don't know how it works with the human race, but I know that it, there are 
a lot of rattlesnakes out there. And what I've found is that over time, when you look back, you spend time with people and you look at, at what they do and what they don't do, what they've done and what they haven't done, generally people repeat themselves. They repeat the patterns. And if you look at, at um, somebody who consistently does what they say and, and says what they're going to do, um, chances are they don't have fangs. But every once in a while, we let one in and we trust them, and they bite us on the chest. And I don't know that they're good people doing bad things or Sometimes bad people do good things, or sometimes a snake's just a snake. But I do know this, that if the things that you do cause this movement to be united, then I would weigh it as a good thing, and I would weigh it as a solution. And if the things that you do cause the people in this movement to be divided in any way, and I would say, maybe not such a good thing. Maybe you're part of the problem. And maybe you're not planning on being part of the problem. Maybe if you evaluate yourself honestly, and I'm not talking to anybody in particular right now. I'm just, just ridiculing. Talking about what I've seen and done and experienced. And hopefully we can learn from and, and not repeat some of the things that happen in history. But what we have repeated over and over again for the last 86 years is actions that allow us to remain in shackles, actions that allow cannabis to remain a crime. And what we haven't done is stood together long enough and loud enough to end that and free this plant and free us at the same time. So take a moment and look at yourself and ask yourself, am I doing something to help cause this to come to an end? Am I doing something that's bringing people together? Am I doing something that's working with somebody else or working with another group or doing something that's maybe a little bigger than my own little thing, my own self, my own personal needs? And if not, can I? Is there something I can do? Get involved. Do something. I'm pretty much pretty sure, pretty sure that you can. And if you can't, come to me. I'll give you something to do. All right. We got Terry Cannon. And uh, Terry Cannon has been working really hard with Tracy Glower. And um, she's been making these T-shirts. In fact, I have one of these T-shirts. And it says, Free Lance Glower. I was just wearing it the other day. Awesome. Hi, Joe. You're doing great work. It's good to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's always it's a pleasure to, to watch people that are out there uh, doing something a little bigger than themselves. And I, I, I remember uh, when I first saw your shirts, and, and I've been working with Tracy Glor off and on for a long time, and I love the family. I've never met Lance personally, but I, I I met his mom, and and uh, and it just you know again it exemplifies what this is all about. Why in the hell is Lance Glor in prison? You know it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. 
So none at all. Free him. And one thing we can do to free him is uh, we collected a bunch of letters signed by the public at Hempfest that will be sent to the White House in a, a Hempfest packet for Lance, as well as many other plant pl- prisoners we collected signatures on letters for. But we're also uh, doing a collage of pictures to show public support for President Trump granting Lance a presidential pardon. So if anybody would like to help with those efforts, we're asking you to do something simple. Write on a piece of paper, freelance galore, snap a photo of yourself, post on Facebook, and please make sure that myself or Tracy Glore Pike sees it. Um, okay, so you're on two live feeds right now. One's on YouTube and one's on Facebook. And there's also oh. an archive of the show. So um, I want you to say that again slowly and carefully because, bing, 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 folks, here's something you can do. This is <laughs> something a- simple. Something you could do. So let's say this again loud and clear and slowly for everybody to follow the bouncing ball. And here goes Terry. Okay. Um, What we're doing is trying to let President Trump know that the public in general um, wants Lance Glore to have a presidential pardon granted to him. There's no reason for a man to be sentenced to 10 years in federal prison for legal medical cannabis in his state. So it's very simple what you can do to help. It'll just take a few minutes. All you have to do is grab a piece of paper, write out free Lance Glore, snap a photo of yourself holding the sign. I'm doing this in the cameras right now, although it's showing up backwards on mine, but I'm not sure how that's working. It's giving me a mirror thing, but anyways... I just did it, and it will be there for everybody to see. I'll, I'll snap a – actually, I will – I'll take a picture of this while you're talking. Keep going, and I'm, I'm just doing what you're saying while you're talking okay. about Okay. And uh, the important part is to make sure that Tracy, Glore, Pike, or myself, Carrie Cannon, sees it. So please tag us in the photo or tag Lance Glore. Tag us in the comment. We need to see these because we are having a collage put together of all the photos to show the mass public support for Lance's freedom. They will also be sent to the White House with all of the letters supporting Lance's um, presidential pardon and freedom. And we just we need to get him home. There's no reason for him to be in prison for a plant. Well, that's absolutely true, and I'm just posting that right now. Boom. All right. Thank it you is so on much, my, Joe. Well, again, you know, I get people all the time, what can I do? I want to help. Or even better yet, the one I like the best is I'm doing everything I can. There's not any more I can do. <laughs> and I say, well, what about this? And I'm just right now, oh, here we go. Lisa's doing it too. Um, so I'm Thank you, Lisa. Right You're welcome. Tracy. <laughs> and I'm just showing you guys how – Easy it is. I didn't is. even know we were doing this. <laughs> I had no idea. There we go. <laughs> I'm the spot. Okay, so we got right there. And then i got to come over here. I can see this one. I think I just friended you. I don't have any friends left on Facebook, but... The big word is free. Lance. All right, well, I didn't find you, but I got Tracy. 
on there, and it's been done. So, folks, while I'm in the middle of doing the show, I was able to listen to Terry and follow her directions and do what she asked me to do. And it was easy, painless. It cost me nothing but about 10 seconds of split uh, um, you know, thought process. I had to space out for a second to accomplish it. But boom, it's done. <laughs> can do the rest of the work. Everybody can do it if I can do it. And um, I'm so glad that you are out there pounding it. And I, I saw the work you guys were doing um, at the Hemp Fest. And guess what? The work you're doing is unifying work. It's work that brings people together. It is. And that's what I'm talking about, folks. That's how we're going to end this prohibition. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. And um, how does somebody get a hold of one of your fancy shirts if they are interested? Um, They can message me on Facebook. The name is Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y. Last name is Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N. Or send me an email at I-T-S-K-C. K-U-S-H at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram page that's Freelance Glore. It's free underscore Lance underscore Glore. You can uh, also reach out to me there. Excellent. All right, Carrie. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. And um, anything else we can do, we're, 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 I'm at least here to, uh, to help out. Appreciate it much, Joe. Thank you. Betcha. All right, Carrie Cannon, folks. All right, so uh, 18 minutes left. I know um, George Martirano is going to come on, and he's got a little bit of a Q&A session he wants to do. And we got Tom Corby and Creed Leffler. So I'm going to tell this little story because I don't want to run too late today. Um, but this is an important story. So last week um, we put one of these accusations to rest. Now remember this, folks. If you are being successful at rallying people, bringing people together, rising up and being bigger than yourself, being better than yourself, and try to get something done that has a value beyond whatever your own personal agenda is, you will be a target and you will be attacked. And I never thought that to be the case until all of a sudden we started being successful and Lo and behold, the arrows and spears began to fly, and the craziest things the craziest things have happened, and the craziest accusations have happened. And, you know, I've got to be honest, I never had an enemy in my life until I started helping other people um, with their cases. And somehow, some way, when you are righteous, and I say that because I'm righteous. I'm not here to do anything other than what I say, and anybody who's ever been with me for longer than 10 minutes knows that, you will be a target. And you will be, what's the easiest way to take out a target? You undermine their credibility. You can make up, say anything. You can literally say anything, and you will begin to erode people's trust and confidence. And so, again, last week, um, we addressed one of these cases, and that accuser had an opportunity to come and speak up, and they didn't, and they don't. And this is the second, and there's only, I think, one more that's going to come up after this. 
And as far as I know, those are that's pretty much it. Um, I welcome anybody to come onto this show, as long as you're tactful, polite, and come from the truth, to come on the show and, and join in and let's talk. But some of the things we talk about are good and fun and wholesome and loving, and some of the things we talk about are how to avoid rattlesnakes. And sometimes if you can understand a situation, it can help you to understand the bigger picture. And everything that I talk about and everything that I say, I have evidence to back it up. There are pictures and videos and uh, bank statements and records to back up everything I say. And if we ever, ever, and I would almost wish somebody would one day uh, put their money where their mouth is, and if you're going to make an accusation, turn it into an allegation and let's file a suit. Let's let's go toe-to-toe um, and, and, and see where it all plays out. But the bottom line is this. Accusations are divisive, and I'm not going to stand for them. And in, in the past, I've always said, you know what, I'm above that. I don't need to answer it. And I never did. I've never once answered an accusation. And I'm not really going to answer one today, but I'm going to identify it, and I'm going to lay the whole history of what actually happened out and let you be the judge. You can decide to be part of this or not. You can decide to give it credence or put it to rest. And this is a long story that I'm going to boil into a few minutes. Um, this is a story about somebody I don't think is a rattlesnake. I, I could never figure this person out, though, because this person was a good person. I think still is a good person. But why would they do something hateful and harmful if you're a good person? I don't know what the answer is. Many years ago, we were at an event, and uh, I met this person, and this person had um, a lot of charisma and excitement and and was very... Uh, very much similar to to my thoughts on things and was exuberant about uh, sharing the word and had an amazing, passionate story of a family member who was gunned down and just, I mean, just an amazing, uh, not a family member, but a, well, sort of. Anyways, this was a person that, that was so passionate about this and had a, a vehicle, a, an ability to, to bring people together, a tool. And when I got out of jail in 2012, um, I was barely getting back on my feet at all, hanging on by a thread, uh, trying to keep my house, trying to, um, trying to keep from going under. You know, it's easy to go under in the process when this is all going down. I got a call from an activist who told me about a case where a guy was um, facing some federal, a federal sentencing that was going to be horrific. And he was far away, and this person wanted to know if I had access to this tool that could bring a lot of people together and bring a lot of attention to it. And I said, sure, let me try. I don't know if I can do it or not. And I, I reached out to this person and Lo and behold, it was possible. It was possible, but not easy. And we actually had to donate some money so that there was um, sufficient 
um, capabilities for this tool. And we gathered some people together, and I don't know, I think there was a dozen of us all together. And this was uh, four years ago, almost five, no, six years ago. It was a while ago. And we gathered these people together, and there was a person who was supposed to be able to maneuver this tool. Turned out they didn't know how to do it, but, you know, here we are. We, we, all, we all do the best we can, right? And so we embarked on, on a journey. And this journey uh, lasted over 10 days. And imagine what it would take for you to give up your life for 10 days, what a cost that would be to your livelihood, to, you know, whatever it is, if you're a productive individual, do you have 10 days just to go traveling around to go help somebody else? And, um, but it was important. And on this epic event, the people that, there was leadership involved in, in the sense of the people that had organized this, and then there was, there was, support to people that were there in various capacities, and then there was followers, people that were there to, you know, to be there, and everybody had their roles, and everything was good, um, but in this journey, the person that had in, had, had, was the impetus for this, um, did some really, I don't know, just deceptive things, was cheating on on their significant other during the event. I didn't know this person very well, but I knew that they were committed to somebody else and they weren't acting the part very well and I thought that was a little disturbing, but it was happening. And then another person on this on this adventure um, did something that put us all at risk. And there were things that happened and you spend 10 days with, with a group of people in a in a very confined area and you come to really, I don't know, get to know each other. And there was a point on this journey where uh, I had to make some calls, and uh, I made a call that was important for the whole, but it very much disturbed one of the participants a lot, so much so that they had a little temper tantrum over it. And it was shocking to me to watch grown adult acting like a small child and and I did everything I could to try to console this person and, and make it right. It was never made right. At the end of this journey we parted ways and never saw each other again. Um, and, and things like that had happened on this trip and I thought to myself this is bizarre it, how, how somebody can, can be so committed to something bigger than themselves and yet be so upset by something petty to the point where you cannot have a relationship. It, it, it boggled the mind. And sometime between the beginning of this and the end of this, and after this little episode happened where this meltdown occurred, we were at a restaurant. And on this, on this journey, on this, on this trip, and I'm speaking kind of cryptically in the hopes of not convicting somebody in, per in person. I'm not trying to cause harm to this person. I'm just trying to point out where these accusations have come from. And in the course of this, 
there was two different paths that were going to be taken. And some of the people wanted to go one way, and some of the people wanted to go the other way. And I was pretty firm about what needed to happen on my end of it, and what I was willing to do, and what I was willing to do to make it happen. And at that very moment when there was this conflict, all of a sudden uh, somebody said, we're missing some money and we think you took it. And I went through, this is like the first time and I don't know, in my mind should have been the last time I ever used Facebook to coordinate and gather donations. And this was before we were at 501c3. We were grassroots hell. We only had one chapter at the time this was happening. We, we planted the seeds for a number of chapters when this was going on. But what happened was somebody had somehow thought that money got misplaced and and I got pointed the finger at it. I was thinking to myself, if I was going to take money, do you think I would donate 10 days of my life and spend everything I spent 10 times what they accused me of taking to make this thing happen? And yet that's the thing that got remembered. Since that time, this person started their own chapter, became a board member of our organization, left the board, um, and has in many cases and in many ways endorsed this organization. Now, I say to you this, if somebody really had a problem with me who clearly was leading the organization and really truly believed that I had caused harm to themselves or anybody else, why would they continue to act as though they supported this. It didn't make any sense. And then a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting there uh, doing this very show, and one of the threads of comments, which I didn't see because some of the folks were blocked, a little dart started flying, and it got the same old crap. Well, he took money. He did this. He did that. I'm here to put this one to rest, folks. If I was to have ever taken money from this event, I think they were talking about a couple hundred dollars. Um, I have given a hundred times what I was ever claimed to have taken um, without any uh, expectation of acknowledgement. And if somebody actually really thinks that there's something like that ever, that it's happened ever, show the records, show the evidence, show the harm party, and either charge me with the crime or take me to court or whoever else you're going to point this to. This isn't just me about me. This is about anybody who's ever been involved with a volunteer organization. It always ends up being some kind of beef over funds. Pay attention to the money, folks. I'm putting this one to rest. Our books are transparent. You're welcome to view them. We've got bank records that go back to the beginning and will show you where every penny was ever spent. But that's how it is, folks. And I'm putting this one to rest. I'm asking, where do you stand? Are you standing with us? Are you trying to cause us harm? Because if you're standing with us, let's act like it. Let's stand together and start doing some work together, and let's get this thing going. If you're looking to break it apart, uh, go somewhere else. This is not the place for you. All right, that's it for this one. And uh, George Martorano is coming to us live from the East Coast. 
And I believe George has got a few questions for us. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, my West Coast family. How's everybody out there? Doing fantastic. uh, It seems that uh, since I'm opening up the Hemp Cafe, a lot of people want to talk to me. And, uh, you know, it's an old uh, situation. uh, You know, people want to invest money in the cannabis industry, you know, to get rich. But I don't look at it like that. I look at it to help people. So, uh, incidentally, Joe, I know you got your finger to the pulse. What's your, what's the future for uh, dropping it uh, from a Schedule One narcotic? Well, the, what, what's happening right now is there are a number of bills that are going through uh, both the House and the Senate, and they have to do. Uh, there, there's one that has to do with uh, removing it from Schedule One, and there's a number of them that have to do with giving the states the right uh, to opt out of, their, of, of cannabis being on Schedule 1. The problem is with all of these bills, <coughs> every single one of them keeps getting stalled out in committee, and not one of them is, have even moved close to a vote. So uh, on a federal level, I just don't know. I know it's going to happen one day, but it's, we're, we don't seem to be any closer today than we were last month. Yeah, yeah, so they, uh, no one can give me the correct answer of who's saying uh, 2020, who's saying uh, uh, 2000, late 2019, because uh, it seems that, uh, like, uh, I'm opening up the, the Hemp Cafe first ever in Philly. Matter of fact, we start construction Monday, and uh, it seems all of a sudden now a lot of, like I said, a lot of people... You know they want to, the rich want to get richer, but I like again I don't look at it like that. I just want to be able to when I sit down and like, you know I think the future is uh, you know have cafes branding, uh, because when you go into these uh, dispensaries uh, which I visited quite a few out west is that uh, you know you walk in and you're reading all these little labels, no pictures, just little labels, no face recognition marketing, so. I believe the future is, you know, uh, you know, packaged with a face on it, so you don't get stuck in a in a dispensary reading and reading and reading. So, uh, I, I think the future is like, uh, like I said, cafes and branding, and uh, I mean, who's going to compete when it does get dropped from the schedule one, whether it's individual states or federal? Who, who's going to compete with the big boys? Going to be sort of like Seagrams oh, and Marlboro, Mars. How do you how do you compete with them? And now you have a license that you spent an awful lot of money for millions, and now uh, you can get it down the street. So I, I just I can't get the. It's always uh, you know it's up in the air. When, you know when, when like the question is to you uh, when when is the cannabis industry the cannabis schedule. Scheduling of the cannabis uh, from uh, when is it going to get the both feet on the ground? So well, and I, I think that you know this message today is about unity and about you know wh- whether you're helping us get together or wh- whether you're helping us break apart. And I think that you know when you when you're talking about a hemp cafe, you're talking about a uniting type of a, an endeavor. People come together uh, to share a um, uh, to share a meal, to share a cup of coffee, a cup of joe, uh, they come together. Uh, that, that's a 
that's the type of endeavor that brings people together. And I think that that's what we need more of. We need whatever it takes. Sharing a, uh, whether it's sharing a, uh, you know, a, a, a glass of Coke or, or, or a meal or a joint or whatever it is. And I think that that's what we need to focus on. And I, I'm excited to see that, uh, you're getting this project off the ground, and I can't wait to be a part of it. To be honest. Yeah. Did you get the? Uh, you see? Uh, you got the the, uh, the media uh, clip that I sent you about the hemp cafes in, the, in in Manhattan. I did absolutely. Yeah, they're opening. Uh, I'm going to take a ride up there uh, at the holidays. They're they're opening in New York City, ladies and gentlemen. As I'm speaking at Hemp Cafe, and they're actually. Uh, they're actually selling, uh, going to be selling uh, THC, uh, uh, a hemp, uh, uh, THC coffee, two hemp coffee, with the, uh, the legal amount. I think it's got to be under three, three milligrams. But uh, I mean, when New York City does it, uh, that's it. That means the, that means the world's going to be doing it. When they're in New York City, so. Uh, like I said, I'm opening the first ever in Philly, but like I said, now all of a sudden, an awful lot of prominent uh, business people want to talk to me. But uh, I want, I, I, again, I don't have the correct answer. You know, uh, my my hemp cafe is going to be there to help people. Uh, the money, the money secondary. You know, I'm not I'm not going to get rich uh, of people that are ill, which. Uh, anywhere you go, these people are ill. I, I went to prison a young man who came home with an older man, and, and a lot of people are not feeling well. So uh, that's what my place is going to be about, you know, helping people. But, uh, uh, you know, I remember now, when, when I first came home uh, from prison uh, a short time ago, no one in Philadelphia knew about CBDs. Now everyone's talking about it. Everybody. Uh, it's just something yep, absolutely. Now. It's, uh, it's now, all the rage. The word got yeah. The word out that I'm opening up a hemp cafe. And everyone wants to talk to me about it. And so uh, well, it's going to be successful, and and um, I will always um, bring updates every couple of months. I go through uh, the Congress.gov site, and I look through all of the. Uh, bills that are in the House and the Senate that have to do with uh, cannabis and look for if there's been any progress or anything new happening. Um, Generally speaking, everything that's in Congress right now has been sitting stagnant for a while, and um, we have yet to even come close to uh, a vote on anything. Nothing. So it's just same old, same old. Well, there are there are bills in committee that could move forward if we were to push our Congress people to support these and get the get the uh, um, the support behind them that we need to push it to a vote. We could get it. They're in. They've been submitted. They're in Congress right now, but they they keep getting uh-huh. stalled out. Nobody nobody pushes them out of the committee. Well. Uh... I'm doing the best I can in my city to uh, make a well. My, like my said, my 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 concept, my voice is that uh, you know everybody involved in the hemp business, uh, whatever whatever structure, you know, we're good people. It's not about the money. I think that's an important <clears throat> a point point a continual point that you have to get across. 
<laughs> but like I said, you know, everyone everyone wants to, uh, they only want to, the rich want a license because they want to get richer. But I, I don't I don't have the right answers for them, believe me. I don't have the right answers. And that's why I talk small. I think if you talk small, you talk safe. You know, Hemp Cafe is no big thing, but it's a big thing when you put it in a neighborhood and you're there to help people. I think, especially the children. I think that's so important. And uh, and uh, it was on the, it was, yeah, I, I mean, how many shows have we seen about uh, that, uh, helping uh, children with seizures? Unbelievable. I watched the show today, and this little little child was on the back seat, and uh, she, you know, didn't have any more seizures, and she was laughing, and such a laughter melted your heart. So that's what it's all about. I just uh, hope that uh, uh, Washington gets her act. Like I told her two weeks ago, that right now, anywhere in our nation's capital, you can go online and you can order two ounces of cannabis. Right now in our nation's capital. So, uh, I'm thinking about doing a documentary, but a funny one. Thinking about doing a comedy. I think if I can make Congress Congress laugh, I think it's more it would it would get to up and move things along much better. You know, everyone wants to <laughs> like protest and attack and argue, but everyone no one's thinking about laughter. I'm thinking about seriously, Joe. I'm thinking about doing a documentary right in our nation's capital, comedy about how you can go down there and order. And order a hat, and you open a bag, and there's two ounces in the hat. So and that's what's going on, and it's going on for two years now, right in our capital. So well, I, yeah. I'm thinking, sir. Uh, I think that uh, I think that's a great idea, and I think that anything that we can do to kind of kick it a little bit and 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 cause them to think um, uh, and, and and realize that. This is real, and there are people that are really doing real actions. Maybe we can get them to take us seriously. Right now, clearly they don't take us that seriously because they keep things status quo. Even though the states are passing laws, uh, the federal government hasn't changed a damn thing. They've, they've defunded a couple of things, but no real progress um, in the way that it needs to be made. So I, I think that we got to just keep trying, trying different things till it works. All right. Uh, thank you for thank you for having me on the show again, and uh, I'm hopefully to make a trip real soon out there. Uh, like I said, I'm getting the store opened up as soon as possible, and then uh, I'll be able to travel. Excellent. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, George. All right. Tell everybody I send my love. All right. You betcha, Joe. George Martirano from Philly, and uh, just. Uh, you know, George has been through so much, and he's uh, making a difference out there. And he's walking the walk, and he's he's uh, making a go at something that's a that's a a, a wholesome endeavor that is going to help people. And you know, when you get into the people that that I work with, um, and I think one of the things that the activists that are causing the least amount of harm out there are, have in common is that. When you dig down into it, we're here to help people. And whether it's to help people that are going through a case or whether it's to help people that are um, suffering or dealing with an ailment, um, that's what's underneath it all is making the world better and helping folks that are in need. So 
Um, George, you've always been that, and I, I, my hat's off to you. My hat's also off to James Meitzner. Um, he signed up as a member during this show, and uh, my hat's off to you, James. I look forward to working with you. Um, we work together off and on, and uh, I am very supportive of your work. All right, we got Creed Leffler and Tom Corby. We are already five minutes over time, and uh, we're going to cut it short, but let's see what Creed's got to say, and then Tom will close the show down. Creed Leffler, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, operator, the message we're ready behind. Hi, Cup of Joe. Would you do me a huge favor and read, everyone, something one of my Facebook friends wrote today? I shared it on my page, and Shirts with a Purpose shared it on their page. So could you please read that for me? I'm looking it up right now here. Let's see what we got going on. All right. Yeah, this is yeah. Creed. I had the pleasure of meeting this inspiring young man over coffee this morning. Creed has cerebral policy. He uses cannabis because it helps relax his muscles so that he can function through life. Creed is a natural leader. His move-on petition to get marijuana removed from Schedule 1 has almost 7,000 signatures. Marijuana needs to be removed from Schedule 1 so that it can be studied. So we'll know more about how THC, CBD, and the other compounds in cannabis can make life easier for people like Creed. He's fighting his own good fight for us all. I don't believe there's any such thing as recreational marijuana, Creed says, as anyone anyone who uses marijuana is getting medical benefits. It's all medical marijuana. And I totally agree with that. And, Creed, it's great to see you on that picture. And um, this is this is good work, good work. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, Creed, we're, we're short on time again. Um, if there's a last shout you want to give, otherwise we got to get moving. We're in overtime right now. Thank you, Jesse. Love you, brother. Bye. All right. Thank Bye. you, and we'll see you next week. Creed Leffler, folks. All right, we got Tom Corby to close the show down. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? <clears throat> oh, thank you, Joe. Not real well. I'm here with Frank and Ann. <clears throat> We both got severe allergies, probably due to all the smoke inhalation. I'll do my best to get through today. <laughs> uh, we took a picture, uh, Frank and I and Donna, uh, uh, pre lance galore. I think that's a really good idea. Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to bring up Heidi Lab uh, and uh, Eddie Lab. Uh, they have a they have a, a motion in the mean hearing tomorrow in Marysville at 10 a.m. Uh, that's 215 uh, 5th Street, Marysville. Uh, that's where Eric Salento, uh had his trial, if you remember, Joe. Uh, the yep. lots have been very, very quiet about their, their, their case for, for uh, several reasons, mainly that uh, we have to be careful that we don't say anything that jeopardizes our case. Also, they realize that most of these hearings, we've been to a couple of them for them, are discontinuance. So we save our resources for priorities. 
uh, this hearing tomorrow is very important to them. Uh, so we're trying to muster as much court support as we can. Uh, basically, uh, uh, it's a very complex case. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, her ministry, her and her ministry, I think 11 members were arrested on October 3rd, 2017. Uh, I spent five days in sack jail. Uh, they charged with cultivation and possession for sales, the usual charges. Uh, then this is kind of crazy. It, uh, one of the charges is a felon, felony conspiracy to commit a misdemeanor. That's, that's kind of, uh, yeah, misdemeanor. Uh, things look good for their case. Um, they're going on the sacrament defense. Uh, they have P.D. Tippett's. I guess he's doing a fair job for them, and, and they are going to take this on to trial if necessary, and uh, Joseph Tully will be taking the reins at that point. So uh, tomorrow, <clears throat> again, 10 a.m., that's in Marysville. Uh, court support is needed. Uh, I'm going to cut to the chase today. Um, unless Frank might have something else to say. Um, good, Tom. I think you did. Uh, hi, Joe. Hey, hi, Liz. Hold, Love do you. Guys, do you guys know who Mary Carlin is? What? Mary Carlin? Do you know who? Mary Carlin from Berry Creek? Do you know who that is? No, I don't believe so. I don't think so, Joe. All right. Just checking. That, uh, what's hey, that, somebody, a new case? No, somebody who became a member, but I don't know who it is, so I'm trying to Trying to trying to say hey. <laughs> oh well, we probably know him if it's from Berry Creek. Well, that, that's good to hear. We passed out a lot of pamphlets at the reggae fest a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that probably yeah, probably yeah. Okay, I want to thank everybody, Jay, and coming together in prohibition, and uh, don't forget to breathe. Nobody should go to jail for a plant. Sounds like you need to take some time breathing yourself. And, uh, Tom, always a pleasure. Look forward to uh, to seeing you when these fires die down and the air clears up a bit. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. All right, you guys, be safe. All right, everybody, I want to thank you all for being part of the show. Um, I don't know. We keep I keep thinking I don't know if we're going to have a full-length show and we go overtime. Uh, but here we are, 10 minutes past, and... Uh, Let's think about being united rather than divided. What do you think? Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.